The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This with Leanne podcast and are for purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from Insider Closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. What is your relationship or do you even have one with meditation? Mine is definitely an off a little bit more than on one. Although I did start meditating well over 14 years ago, and I began with Deepak Chopra's 21-day meditation challenge, and I stuck to it. What is it about a, a challenge that just seems like it's almost doable? And for 21 days, I got up every single morning, I got out of bed, I went and sat on the couch, put my headphones on, and I listened to the dulcet tones of Deepak and everything that he had to say while focusing on my breath. Now, Deepak, he put out uh, these 21-day challenges throughout the year, and it truly changed my life. Now, I was married at the time, and it helped me realize that I was in a really toxic relationship. As I went through these 21 days, certainly never realized the impact that it was going to have on my life. Marriage is not an easy thing, despite my best efforts. I was turning myself into someone that I wasn't and something had to change for me and also the environment that my kids were in. A profound experience of, let's say, kind of waking up or calming down or just taking that, I think it was probably about 20 minutes every single day for myself. In my case, that absolutely changed the trajectory of my life at that time, which was a really unhealthy one. It just gave myself, gave me what I needed the most at the time. Now, as a recovering overthinker, <laughs> meditation, well, it allowed me to see clearly just to give myself that time. Like I said, that self-care is so challenging for so many of us. And as I got into the routine thinking, this is only 21 days, I can do this for 21 days because it's not that long. And I did actually give that to myself numerous times each and every morning. And even after the 21 days, then I went back, I re-listened to it again. And it was really interesting because my husband at the time, now divorced, was really jealous of the time that I was giving to myself. I don't think that he saw that it was a situation of me just giving it to myself. So anyone that that thinks that, yeah, I'm going to go take this for time for myself and you've got others around you that are pulling on your, your sleeves or tapping you on the shoulder, I totally understand. I felt at the time, not realizing what was coming down the road about me actually saying this is not working for me anymore, I felt during the day and every day that I was less reactive as a very sleep-deprived mom with two very young kids running around, uh, trying to grow my business and doing cooking classes for new parents every single day. I was writing my first book and just you know managing the house and all the meals. 
Now I felt like I could cope with it all that much better while I was meditating. Now, fast forward to where I am now, you know, way forward 20 odd years. And I find myself again, doing way too much and feeling the negative effects of that. Not necessarily to do with any kind of relationship other than the one with myself. Now, what has not been on my list enough to do, because I've got many to-do lists, is meditating. Now, I've heard it said that the excuse of not having time to meditate means that you need to do it. You need to double down. You need to do it twice a day and for twice as long. (laughs) How are we going to fit that in on a day that just has too much going on? Now, stress relief might be the most studied benefit to do with meditation, but meditation also has been found to reduce drug and food addiction and just addictions in general, to relieve anxiety and also to boost immunity. Now, who doesn't need any of those for free other than taking the time for yourself? Your over brain health, you know, the, the brain health that, that we all want to have, that capacity, that cognitive function isn't usually top of mind until some sort of symptom pops up where you just, you think, um, I've forgotten something a little more than normal. There's an invincibility feeling to always being able to do all the things that you always have been, but as we get older, that can change. So let's find out ways to prevent or enhance that incredible computer that's only partially understood by science called your brain. Yes, your diet can help. It's so incredibly important. Exercise, hugely crucial to everything to do with your brain. And even sauna, we talked about that in a recent episode on how it increases the BDNF or brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is so good for feeling good and just the function of your brain. But what about this meditation thing that I'm talking about here? So let's get into it today on Eat This with Leanne. Let's do that deep dive into meditation. What can it do for your mind, your mindfulness, your stress, your cognitive function, and your overall brain health? Now, we know our brain is much like a computer, or that's kind of how it's likened. I'm sure all of our brains are thinking, you've got to be kidding me. There's so much more going on inside here than than there is in this hunk of metal that's sitting in front of me right now. And have you ever experienced situations where you're sitting there and you're typing the letters while into a document and you've, if you're anything like me, you've got a few other tabs open and the words aren't showing up, up yet. And then all of a sudden, like it just all comes out like that. Well, that's your system trying to keep up with what you're throwing at it. And when there's too much going on in the background, then it just can't keep up. Now, people who have had a glance at my laptop have actually said that the insane amount of tabs that I have opened, it just gives them an immense feeling of anxiety just looking at it. And I would laugh and chuckle and just say, oh, yeah, somehow I guess it makes me feel like I'm getting a lot of stuff done and I've got a lot going on. And maybe I don't know. I don't know what that is. Someone will be able to analyze that for me. But I just realized in doing some research for this episode that My laptop tabs, the, I can't even count them right now. There's at least 15 open on this particular tab where I have my notes, which I'm referring to. And it's, you know, the windows that are open as well, the speed of my computer, it's a direct reflection on 
how my brain is working, overworking even. And while I think it's, you know, I've kind of just got this habit going on where all of the tabs that I have open are there for a purpose. They're open because I fear forgetting something or not going back to read something that's of use for another episode or just a good thing to know, or maybe even something funny or uplifting that someone has shared. I open the tab and then I I leave it there to go back and have a look, which of course I really never do. (laughs) So our brains and my brain in particular are juggling all the things that I do every single day while I'm looking at all these tabs open. And I guess it's kind of like having clutter all over your kitchen counter does not necessarily induce creativity to make yourself a really great, healthy, and lovely meal. There's just not the room and the space to facilitate creativity. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So all of these things that we see in our lives are reflected back and it took to in preparing for this particular episode today for me to understand that. So I hope it's a little bit enlightening for you too, because the juggle that we do all the things every single day is a habit that I've actually created for myself, thinking that there is that this is just kind of how things roll. But understanding this, I just I know that there has to be a better way. I found a quote that said, meditation is like turning down the volume on our excitability factor so that we can meet things directly and listen better both to other people and to ourselves. Now that was on the website choosemuse.com and it absolutely resonated with me. Now, I know there's an expanse of self-knowing that isn't being heard right now, certainly within my brain and maybe within yours. So I have given this uh, apparatus, this headband, I'll call it, called Muse. I've given this thing a try. Now, if it can train my brain to remember better, remember that I'm in perimenopause, so I know that I'm up against more issues to do with my hormones and how that affects my memory, my cognition, my ability to remember words, have my brain talk to my mouth, to be able to actually speak them at times. Yeah, all those things are real, even though you think, God, no, that'll never happen to me. (laughs) And then there's also... You know, the memories, the memories of the past, the good times, the fun that we can reflect back on. Well, those just seem to be fading in my brain and not really badly, but it's just a little more challenging to reach for them. So putting time aside for for this practice, I'm going to call it, and we'll see what my guest today has to say about that. But putting time aside every single day as an exercise even, I think is something that really needs to be focused on. Now, to to help myself and to help you find the time, let's hear from my Smarty Pants uh, guest today on the subject. Now, in training your brain, the product that my guest today, Ariel Garson, has come up with, she actually co-founded and is the CEO of Muse. Now, it's a state-of-the-art EEG system 
that uses advanced signal processing algorithms to train beginner and intermediate meditators at controlling their focus. Who doesn't need that? Ariel is absolutely dedicated to bringing easy to use and accessible tools for well-being to the masses. Ariel's unique background has taken her from working in neuroscience research labs to owning a, a fashion design label to being the female founder and CEO of a Silicon Valley-backed brain-computer interface tech startup. Yeah, I told you she was a smarty pants. And the technology, which was actually the technology that sparked the creation of Muse. Now, I'm going to let Ariel talk a little bit more about Muse, and, and I will share a lot more information over on leannephillipson.com. But Ariel, she's consistently invited to share her unique insights into keynotes around the world, speaking about happiness, meditation, how the brain works, empowering women in business, and so much more. She also has her own podcast called Untangle. So shout out to other podcasters where she guides audiences on how and understanding of your brain and how it can help improve your life. So we're really blessed to have Ariel on Eat This with Leanne and welcome. And first of all, why don't you just jump right in with what on earth does meditation do for our brains? Mine can do with some help right now. <laughs> well, meditation is spectacular for our brains. You know, we usually think about meditation for our focus or calm or for our bodies, but meditation actually makes real change in the brain. So there's a range of studies that demonstrate that simply meditating can improve your brain age by up to 7.5 years. So you can turn back the clock by seven years, not to a seven-year-old. <laughs> Hopefully not. I, that's what you were wondering, Chris, right? Because you are you always say that you are uh, you're kind of around that age anyway. Yeah, that's Listen. two years older than where my brain normally sits. So in an amazing study by Dr. Eileen Luters, she took an range of meditators uh, who had been meditating for at least five years and she scanned their brains and she was able to see that those long-term meditators, those meditating for five years or more, had brains that looked on average 7.5 years younger. So what she was looking at, yeah, I know. She was looking at things like the volume of the prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex shrinks as you age. As you meditate, you're able to maintain the thickness of your prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is the part of our brain that does our organization and our planning. She looked at areas like the hippocampus, which is the seat of our learning and memory. And as you age, your hippocampus tends to shrink. But in these long-term meditators, she saw that that hippocampal volume was maintained. Uh, she looked at things like the corpus callosum, the connections between the left and right hemisphere, which uh, looked to be stronger as people meditated as they aged. And on whole, their brains looked seven and a half years younger. So if you ever wanted a reason to start meditating, I'd start with that one. Yeah. And as a perimenopausal woman, then I know already that things are changing in my brain and it happens due to hormones. And, you know, women experience these issues differently to men for sure. But I don't think there's anyone that doesn't want out there that doesn't want a, a brain that's functioning better, quicker, your memories better, because that is something that I know a lot of people are worried about losing their memories because that's life. That's what we've lived. 
Now, there are also a lot of lovely, loyal listeners that I know listen to this because I have such a focus on eating, digestion, um, you know, their gut health and things like that. Is there a connection between meditation and this whole, you know, there's the gut brain axis. We've talked about that, the connections there. But what is the benefit to that? With meditation. So the benefits for meditation on digestion and gut health are really significant. So I know you've talked about the gut-brain axis before, and the gut-brain axis is governed by the vagus nerve. And it turns out that when you meditate, you are triggering the vagus nerve to calm your body down. Right. So the vagus nerve is responsible for releasing neurotransmitters into your gut, like serotonin. It's responsible for listening to the neurotransmitters in your gut. And meditation is one of the easiest ways to shift your vagus nerve and to actually shift the response of that gut-brain axis. That's incredible. And I do know that we have talked to, we did a whole episode, episode 86 on the vagus nerve and next to sugar, it is the number one listened to episode of Eat This with Leanne. So people are very interested in the, in the vagus nerve. So this is fantastic. With the benefits that we know about this, how do you suggest that someone builds new habits and practice? You know, what if someone has never meditated or they're kind of, they've dabbled maybe a little bit. And I know there's always the questions of, my God, am I, am I doing it right? Because as soon as I stop, I think of all of the things. Well, okay. I'm talking for myself here. When I stop, I think of all of the things I should be doing instead of meditating. So have you got any tips for people to, uh, to improve or even just to start their meditation practice? Sure. So let's start all the way at the beginning and clear up this notion of like, what is meditation? Because most people hear meditation and they're like, I'm just going to sit there with my eyes closed and all my thoughts are going to go away. And if you think that that's what it is, you're going to feel like you failed real fast. Exactly. <laughs> Those thoughts, they don't go away. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. So the most basic form of meditation is focused attention meditation. And in a focused attention meditation, what you're going to do is you're going to close your eyes. You're going to breathe deeply and you're going to bring your attention onto your breath. It's actually super simple. You're just putting your attention on your breath. And you can do that by counting your breaths in and out. One, two, one, two. Eventually, you're going to have a thought that pops up in your head. Like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this right? Did I take out the garbage? Uh, what's that smell? Et cetera, et cetera. It's totally okay that those thoughts arise. What you're now going to do is notice that you have a thought. And instead of following that thought, oh, what's that smell? Boy, it's really bad. It reminds me of my first boyfriend. Hmm, I wonder what he's doing. Let's go on Facebook. So we're not going to do that. Instead, you're going to notice, okay, I have a thought. Uh, oh, right. So it's to be meditating. Let's not think about that thought. Let's just put my attention back on my breath. Once your attention comes back to your breath, a few seconds later, you have a new thought that pops up. Popcorn. Mm, let that go. Come on back to my breath. Mm. And what you're learning to do in meditation is to... First, observe your thinking to be able to move your mind off of thoughts and onto something neutral, which here is your breath, to maintain your attention on something that's not your thoughts, and then ultimately to relax your body. And so when you do this incredibly simple practice, just focusing on your breath, noticing when your mind wanders to a thought, choosing to take your mind off the thought and put it back on your breath, that is a perfect, magnificent meditation practice. 
That it's so simple. so easy. And in my Zoom screen, I can see Chris standing there with his eyes closed. And I'm wondering if while he's standing there, or maybe he's frozen, he's thinking about um, <laughs> ice cream. How many steps is it to the freezer? <laughs> is, um, is it a bad sign, Ariel, <laughs> that I've been doing this now for about 90 seconds and not one thought has entered my brain? Is that a bad sign? No, that's magnificent. <laughs> I think you've nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I trade brains, please? My father would have said to me that the, the lights are on, but nobody's home. That's how he would have described it. That's great. If you're focusing purely on your breath, um, if you might be noticing the sensations of your chest rising and falling, you might be noticing the feeling of the air coming in and out of your nose. All of these are simply putting your attention on your physiological sensation, your experience of breathing. Okay. And when you're doing that, you're in the here and now. So when you're doing that, you're in the present moment. So you might hear people talk about meditation as, you know, it brings me so present. I'm here. I'm present. Well, that's because when our minds are wandering, when we're thinking about the past, the boyfriend that annoyed us, the future, the ice cream you're going to eat, we're not here. You're not in the world where you're actually doing the thing. But when you meditate, you're actually situated very much in this world. You're feeling the thing that's happening here and now, your breath. And so that's how meditation practices can help actually enhance your experience of life overall. Because now instead of wandering off somewhere else, you can actually listen to the person you're talking to. You know, that could be your meditation. I'm actually listening. I'm here present with the person instead of mind wandering. Or I'm here present with my kid while she's playing rather than mind wandering and thinking about something else. And so that starts to bring both an improvement in your relationships and a better feeling and quality to your daily life. We are such hoarders of life in a certain sense that we don't feel like we're fulfilled unless we're doing all of these things, unless we're experiencing all of these things, thinking of all of these things. It's it, We're such hoarders, and I can only imagine what it must look like in most people's brains when really a really good life should be like, sort of as you describe it, just enjoying one simple moment at a time. So there's an interesting study out of Harvard that shows that people's minds are wandering 46.9% of the time. And actually that makes us unhappy. Yeah. And when they surveyed this group of people whose minds had wandered 46.9% of the time, average population, they discovered that when their mind wasn't wandering, when they were doing something simple, so long as it was just one thing, like just washing the dishes or just being with their kid, they were actually happier. Mm. So we don't have to try to multitask in our brains. In hearing, as I was doing research for this episode, there was an analogy about obviously the brain and um, your computer, you know, how your, your brain is like your computer doing so many things all at the same time, things running in the background. And it really struck me that my, the tabs on my computer, my desktop on my computer look very much like my brain. I am looking at this all the time. And despite having a really great and fast computer, <laughs> I do quite often start typing and the words don't keep up with my fingers because my, my laptop is working so hard in the background to manage all of these multitasking things. And yet I've got myself to the habit to keep all of these things open just so that I don't drop a ball. So that it's there in front of me trying to remind me, oh, yeah, remember that? 
you got to read that article or, oh yeah, that was really interesting. Come back to that later. But I don't because I just keep on moving forward. And and just that analogy between my computer, because I'm in front of it so much of the day in my brain, it really kind of hit me upside the head that that clutter and and it's just kind of like clutter of life. So you've hit the nail on the head there, Chris, where there are so many different thoughts that we have and we're always go, go, go. And I love hearing this because I kind of always think that it's just me that <laughs> has this insane <laughs> brain that will not give shut us, up, will not shut up, you know, to the point of giving me migraines actually. So I'd love to hear more about the effects on headaches and things like that, which I know plague so many people. It's very astute, a really good analogy. And all of those thoughts are kind of stressful, you know, just like in our brain, we have all of these things that roll around in there that we think we should be thinking about because they're important. And so it's like these constant little naggy reminders about things that don't matter, like, oh, you know, the this, the that, the this, the that. And all of that causes us stress. And when our stress increases, our inflammation increases, our ability to actually manage our daily life decreases, our, you know, health begins to erode. And when you're able to turn off the reminders, you know, like your phone is constantly reminding you about things that you actually don't need. It's like DoorDash is 20% off today. You know, Groupon, 37%, like all this garbage you don't need, but the world is trying to tell you. And you're like, I can just, you can just turn that off. Like you turn off your notifications. It's okay. Yeah. And then your stress decreases and then your body functions better. Yeah. I remember a uh, psychologist, I believe was in the room with my daughter and she actually called them junk mail thoughts. <laughs> and I thought that again, that was uh, that sort of struck me again as I was going looking at my laptop going, oh, my God. Yeah. And then all the junk mail that I have to clear out of my inbox, it literally is everywhere. And then like permeating in, into or exas maybe it's more exacerbating the situation because those notifications are there, because the next social media post is coming along and, you know, point one of a nanosecond or something like that and it's just constant yeah so this this time of switching off and almost retraining our brain to you know to to be in the moment seems so backwards but it is where we are yeah and it is incredibly healthy for you you know, there's over 10,000 studies demonstrating the benefits of meditation to almost every aspect of our body and mind and lives. It's wild. So that brings us to the question of how do we do it? So you're sitting there, a thought comes in, and it's your job. It's not that hard, but it's your job to notice, hey, there's a thought and I don't need to follow it. Like, that's the weird moment. That's the like, oh, you mean I don't need to think that? Because we're just so used to our brain serving us up stuff, just like our phone serves us notifications and Instagram serves us photos and whatever. We're yeah. just so used to it happening that you don't realize that you have agency over it, right. that you can say, hey, brain, actually, I don't need to think this thought right now, even though it feels like I do. Mm -hmm. And I can just move my attention somewhere else intentionally. And the thought might arise again, which is fine. You just move your attention away. And over time, you're retraining your brain to not surface you all the junk thoughts right. and you're retraining your own ability to choose what you want to be thinking and what you want to be focusing on. That's so interesting because it almost feels impossible. So here's the thing. 
it might feel impossible, but it's not, you know, just like going to the gym the first day, you're like, I'm not a runner. This is crazy. I can't run. This is actually me talking about uh, myself about seven months ago. I'm like, I'm not a runner. I run for like to the corner and then I feel out of breath. Like, what are you crazy? (laughs) Yeah. And I started running and then, you know, first time I was out of breath and then I did better and better and better. And now I'm like putting on my shoes and schlepping everybody behind me. Like, let's sprint. Let's do it. Very quickly. The skill built. How long do you think people should really give themselves a break before they would start to see maybe a few or less thoughts, junk thoughts, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, after that first time, just to manage expectations? Yeah, so let's, of course, let's manage expectations here. So when you start meditating, you might want to start at, say, five minutes a day. So with Muse, we typically start people at five minutes a day. And in the studies that we've done after after six weeks of meditating for five to 10 minutes a day, we've seen improvements in levels of calm. People report less thoughts cluttering their mind that, you know, they can just be aware that, hey, it's quiet in there. They can be more aware of when anxious thoughts come up and say like, hey, you're a stressful thought. I actually don't need you now. Because we don't even see what's going on in our brains. It's just happening. And this gives you the ability to see, to have metacognition. It tends to improve people's sleep because one of the great reasons we don't sleep is all of those thoughts whirling around in our head. What about things like like depression? And you just briefly mentioned anxiety as well. Yeah. So both depression and anxiety are characterized by maladaptive types of thinking. Your brain serving you thoughts that don't necessarily serve you. Although they both may be uh, chemical in nature, starting from the top by saying, hey, I don't need to listen to that thought now. Let's move it aside. I don't need to listen to that thought now. Let's move it aside. Allows you to slowly come out of um, the states of feeling depressed or being anxious. So it gives you a tool to gain control over the thinking that then furthers the states of anxiety or depression. So it's a tool that can help you start to navigate out of it. That's hugely beneficial for anyone, and but especially those dealing with mental health and mental illness. And I can only imagine for, um, for people in that situation, is meditating even more difficult to get to if you're feeling like that without any motivation? I, you know, I think of my daughter and even just getting out of bed some days is, you know, is really challenging in in her depressive, more depressive states, let's say. It can be. People try and try and flip that switch on, all right, I'm going to try and do this for myself. And the key to flipping any switch is put the first foot in front of yourself, do the first step, do the first thing. So it might just be, okay, well, I'm lying in bed. I'm not going to sit up. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to breathe deeply and count my breaths five times. Hey, I did that. Congratulations. Go me. And then when you do that, celebrate your wins. So we work with an awesome behavioral therapist, BJ Fogg, and he always says Mm. some tiny steps and then celebrate the wins. And when you celebrate the wins, it anchors in the change. We are such a, a society of satisfaction. You say celebrate the wins, Ariel. What would that look like? How would I celebrate my small victory? So maybe you've set out the task of meditating for three minutes today. Okay. So, you know, you put on a timer or you open your Muse app to the timer section and you sit down and you do it for three minutes. And even if it feels like it sucked, even if it feels like your mind was all over the place, you say, hey, I did that for three minutes. Go me. 
awesome. Yeah. Give yourself a high five. Give yourself a high five. Um, Even though it might feel strange or it might feel weird, but the act of giving yourself a high five then wires in a positive association to the action. And so you walk away from it instead of thinking, ugh, meditation sucks and I sucked at meditation. You walk away going, yeah, I'm meditated for three minutes. I'm awesome. (laughs) Maybe not so far for three minutes, but you know, you get a positive association with it and then you do it the next day for three minutes. And just like going to the gym, just like running any of these things, it's a practice. And so the more you do it, the more you improve. I think that's the instant gratification, you know, that kind of thing that you expect to take the magic bullet and take the magic pill, inject the drug for obesity. I've talked about that on radio this past week, you know, all those kind of things where it's like, can't I just, you know, have it easy? Well, it actually is really easy from what you're telling us. It's part of the mindset shift into, you know, this is, I'm breathing all the time. What if I just focused on it? It's happening. I I don't realize that it's happening all day, but yeah, I'm just taking in a breath. And let me just stay with that. Let me just think about that. Put 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 my thoughts to something that's bloody important for my body to do every moment of every day. Yeah, it does seem really, really simple. Now, you've talked about Muse, you've mentioned Muse a couple of times, and I know that you are the co-founder of Muse. So tell us a little bit about that and how might using um, Muse help the experience, maybe change it or or just, you know, help people along their journey of meditation. So we made Muse as a brain sensing headband that actually helps people meditate because all of the stuff that we've talked about today, the, you know, how do I do it? How does it become easy for me? How do I feel motivated for it? Um, These were problems that we had as novice meditators as well. So I started out as a neuroscientist and a psychotherapist, and I'd be teaching my patients to meditate. And big secret, I couldn't do it myself. (laughs) I suck at meditating. I would sit down, my brain would bounce all over the place. And I was like, oh man, but I'd be teaching my patients because, you know, you learn how to teach meditation and they'd go away and they'd come home, come back to the office. And it's like, how was your meditation session? And they're like, I think it was okay. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know what I was supposed to be doing, even though I was told the instructions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we built Muse to solve that. Um, So what Muse does is it's a little headband that tracks your brain during meditation and lets you know when you're focused on one thing, like your breath, and when your mind is wandering into thought. So it's actually giving you real-time feedback. So you can hear when you're focused. And then when your mind wanders onto that thought about your stinky ex-boyfriend, you're going to hear a change in the sound. And that's going to be a reminder of like, hey, you're thinking, come on back to my breath. And then you bring your attention back to your breath. You hear some very pleasant sounds that are rewarding. And you're like, yeah, I'm doing this. Okay, I'm doing this. And then your mind wanders away. You get the reminder to bring it back. And then it helps you very easily build a practice that allows you to notice your mind wandering more effectively, reinforces you and helps you celebrate being in the meditation practice. And then you can see your data, what your mind was doing, your charts, your stats. And that becomes highly motivating to help you engage the practice day after day. There is something to be said about kind of seeing those numbers. It makes it more real. And in our episode last week, Chris and I have been wearing glucose monitors for the past little bit. And 
there is definitely something to kind of scanning yourself and getting feedback from, okay, yeah. I, I mean, in my case, if I ate MSG, um, then I know that, you know, I didn't know before I had the glucose monitor on, but knew afterwards that what my blood glucose just went completely through the roof and I didn't actually consume any sugar or any carbs. So it was a really fascinating thing and really, really eye opening. So I love that you also can kind of like hack your brain to tell you also kind of what's going on. And in my experience with, with Muse, and I'll put one of my, um, my readings after I did a, a guided session, actually it was just this morning. And it says that my mind was 38% calm, not bad, but I'm sure that that could be improved. Yes. And that's, you know, that's the tantalization of data. It's like, oh, I see there's improvements and I see there's, you know, further to go. And Muse has an amazing community along with it that keeps you engaged. So you're supporting each other and, you know, cheering each other on. So you can do it on your own or you can join the community. And we have uh, tons of guided meditations for anything that comes up in your life. We have an amazing community support person who's, you know, they're giving live meditations for you. So there's a lot of ways that it really helps you enhance the experience beyond just sitting there possibly cross-legged wondering what you're supposed to be doing (laughs) you you solve that (laughs) in a lot of ways that is the difficult part i found my my first introduction to meditation was actually through my Wii, where there was a some sort of a game that they used to have where i see ariel's nodding and smiling i think she knows what i'm talking about there's a it was a game that was introduced in the Wii. um it was like a flat board you used to sit on And they had a candle on the screen and the whole purpose was to regulate your breath and sit perfectly still so the candle didn't blow up. And I can recall I was in my 30s at this point, but my kids were very, very young and trying to get them perfectly still (laughs) on this on this Wii board (laughs) was was quite the task. But I, I must say for for because it was turned into a game for about 45 seconds, it was absolute Zen in the household. <laughs> no screaming, no screaming kids, no nothing. Just I'm meditating. I'm meditating, Dad. Look at me. I'm meditating. Dad, I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're probably not doing it right, but you're quiet. That's good. Uh, but it's that having that having that sort of conglomerate through Muse, having that support and having those people there doing it at the same time that you are in in a sense has to help for those individuals who have a really tough time, you know, sitting still, quiet by themselves. It just feels awkward. So Muse has got to be a, a benefit there, too. Very, very much so. And also within the family context, it's funny to hear that story because we often hear that like mom likes meditation. So she gets the muse because, you know, she got it from right. a buddy from a yeah. yoga class. Um, dad, who hates meditation, picks up this cool <laughs> tech gadget and then he starts using it. Oh, yeah. The kids who would like never meditate then steal it from dad <laughs> and start competing for how many points they can get against each other. <laughs> I've heard this from like many, many, many families. Like All of a sudden the family's competing for how much they can meditate. Just tell me it has a remote control, Ariel. If it has a remote control, I'm in. <laughs> You can't remote control the kids, Um, but you can motivate them to meditate. It works. (laughs) I love that because it sounds like such fun. Like you can kind of like, you know, you're getting that real time feedback from Muse if your mind is wandering off, but you're getting that visual feedback with the candle. So 
Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd like to give that one a try too, Chris. <laughs> I'm such a visual person. Now, you know, you talked also about um, uh, helping your brain and sleep. And we talk a lot about sleep or the lack thereof it on mm-hmm. this uh, on this podcast. So, like, not only what happens, you know, to the brain during sleep with the glymphatics and all of those kind of things, but how can meditation help people sleep more? Because it definitely is a bit of an epidemic, really. Unfortunately, and non-sleeping is definitely an Big problem that most people have. So um, while you sleep, the brain undergoes a range of incredibly important activities, including what you referred to as the glymph systems flushing out. So throughout the day, your brain accumulates neurotransmitters and a whole bunch of essentially junk that it won't use again. And the glymph system is something that flushes those out of your brain. And it's even been shown that the glymph system may flush out amyloid beta, the molecule that's in part responsible for building up and creating Alzheimer's. So bottom line, sleep is incredibly important for the brain. Do you wear the Muse headband at nighttime? Yeah. So we have another version of the Muse, Muse S, S for sleep. And it is this beautiful soft headband that's super cozy and it gives you amazing guided meditations that help you fall asleep as well as something that we call the digital sleeping pill so the digital sleeping pill is completely digital there's no pharmaceuticals involved and what it does is it's able to respond in real time to your level of wakefulness and actually modulate the meditations or stories that you're listening to to help you fall asleep faster so What you're doing is you're listening to something. Many of us fall asleep listening to a podcast or a tape, but instead of listening to it and then waking up in the middle of the night and the thing's still playing because it's been going the whole time, this actually shifts and changes as your brain walks uh, walks into sleep and actually helps you fall asleep faster. So in a recent study by Dr. Adrian Owen at Western University, he showed that using Muse to help you fall asleep can improve sleep quality by 20%, which included falling asleep faster, um, longer time asleep, and falling back asleep once you've woken up. Because that's the thing, right? It's the falling asleep, you know, when you think, great, I've fallen asleep, but then shoot, it's three o'clock and I've woken up again. You know, that's the piece where that really gets people because their mind starts going crazy. Yeah. So if you fall asleep wearing your muse throughout the night, it's going to be tracking your sleep, like literally almost as effectively as a sleep lab would. So you get tons of beautiful data about your sleep. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, the muse will wake up along with you and then bring back in the same story or meditation that helped you fall asleep in the first place, which will then cue your brain back into sleep. It's quite a beautiful experience. And we've shown that it helps you fall back asleep and improve sleep quality. That's tremendous. And I just, it just popped back in my head again about headaches, because that is something personally asking for myself and all of our lovely loyal listeners that also suffer with headaches. How can this help? Um, I tend to wake up in the morning with a headache. I don't 
doesn't always get me throughout the day. There's a headache and migraine specialist at Women's College Hospital in Toronto, um, and she actually recommends Muse to the patients that come through her practice. So she's recommended Muse to hundreds and hundreds of patients to help them with their headaches and migraines. And it works in multiple ways. One, by helping you simply relax. So when you're reducing your stress, the stress in your body, you're reducing the inflammation, you're reducing the tension in your neck and in your head. It helps you become more aware of the triggers that may be in your life because you're now more aware of maybe what you're eating or what you're, you know, what you're saying. You're more aware of the world around you. Right. And it can also help you uh, lower your brainwave state from one of high beta activity of being active to a lower brainwave state, which can help to calm the headache. And it helps you move your mind away from the pain of a headache to manage having the headache more effectively. I mean, that's something that I can definitely speak to is when I have a headache, the world is a different place because you just can't get away from it. I can't I can't necessarily move or, or, you know, turn my foot from a sore ankle or, you know, anything like that. It's behind my eyeballs and it just, it clouds absolutely everything and really makes the world a not so nice place to be in. So that, uh, that, that could be something that I really need to focus on moving forward to ease, ease the headaches. And even with hormonal disturbances, still seeing benefit. Uh, from the research that you've got? There's actually a study kicking off at the Mayo Clinic right now using the Muse for menopause and perimenopause to help women manage the stress and anxiety as well as sleep problems that come with this transition in life. Yeah, and there are lots. We talked about that in a couple of episodes ago with Angela Foster, who we really dug deep into the sleep there, sleep issues there as well, because it's this like negative circle that you're on where you don't feel great, then you don't sleep, and then you just can't quite get out of that. So this could really be that pattern interrupt to put the Muse S on, to meditate, to use the app, to be able to... Um, yeah, to really make a change in uh, in your day-to-day and your sleep as well. You know, again, it's not a magic bullet. There are no magic bullets, but it can help improve sleep and can help improve your perspective on the experience. So I had a baby a year ago, so I'm essentially still in perimenopause. My hormones are really low after postpartum and I get night sweats. And so I previously, you know, prior to a meditation practice, had I woken up in the middle of the night with a night sweat, it'd be like, oh my God, I'm so hot. This is sticky. This feels gross. And like, you're just up being annoyed by the whole thing. I had a night sweat last night. I woke up. I said, "Hmm, I'm sweaty, rolled back over and went to sleep. What meditation teaches you is that you can shift your perspective on the world. I can get really annoyed by how sweaty I am and how gross I am, or I can just say, that's what it is. Go back to sleep. What a gift. What a gift to have that power to be able to change your perception on the world. And it takes time, but as you stick with it, it really does shift and you're really able to accept what is rather than fighting against it. And that just lets all the resistance of the world drop away. I think a meditation that I tried out last night on the app was let it be. Yes. That really spoke to me of, okay, let's just try and get out of this headspace that I'm in. I don't remember what it was because it all moves so quick. 
And I thought, oh yeah, that sounds that that feels like a nice deep breath right there. Yeah. And it was a beautiful voice. And unfortunately, my headband ran out of battery. I didn't realize it was low, so it didn't track it didn't track everything. So make sure you charge it up first. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was lovely. It was really nice. And I was asleep before I even realized. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing these tips. This is only the tip of the iceberg, I am quite sure, because the impacts on brain health. Is there anything else that you want to tell us just to kind of finish off to do with brain health? So brain health is this big topic that everybody gets very worried about. What can I do for my brain health? And my last little tip is that what to do with your brain health is the same things that you do for your physical health. So eat well, exercise, sleep, meditate, and have great social loving connection. You know, these are the top tips for any part of your body. And they're also the very first things, frontline things that you do for your brain. Now, we also have a lovely gift from Muse where the audience can enjoy the Muse app. We'll give you all the details in over on leannephillipson.com. We can get 20% off. Nice. And, and one free year of the premium access um, app. And again, I'll give you all of those details in the show notes on leannephillipson.com. And, uh, and you can head over to choosemuse.com forward slash eat this. That was just fantastic. It certainly resonates for me with having so much, you know, I've told you already my lovely loyal listeners that I have this brain that just does not seem to shut off. And I think that saying that I mentioned off the top in that when you think you're too busy to meditate, that actually means that you need to do it at least twice a day and for longer. Yeah, I think I fall into that category because I do believe that there's so much wisdom in looking at where the resistance comes, when resistance comes up. So maybe you hear something on this podcast and you think, oh God, no, I can never get to that. Uh, or no, I don't have time for that. And that certainly is, you know, we just put that quick judgment in there at times. And really, no matter what it is, for me lately, it has been meditation. Maybe for you, it's been the same. But also it could be something like ditch the donut or drinking more water or try black coffee instead of putting cream and sugar in your coffee. Change of any kind can often turn out to be one of the best things that you give to yourself. Now, the self-care aspect of meditation that Ariel talked about is one that I have forgotten that I'm too busy for. It's just Oh, it's total crap. I've got to make time. I've got to do it. So I totally understand seeing my resistance and knowing that I have not made this a priority. And maybe you too, or maybe you've never even jumped in and tried it. Now, a coach that I had for a few years, Carolyn Mondin, we had her on in, in one oh, episode 102 or 103. And when I finished up working with her, she said, Please find a meditation course for yourself to deal with all of your overthinking thoughts. And I know that that's the best thing that I can recommend as I send you off on your way. Well, that was almost nine months ago. And here I am today only realizing, hmm, yep, I think it's time. 
this episode has brought me back to, to the importance of meditation. And I'm so grateful for that because it has had a profound effect on my life at different times and different junctures. But as we move into more stressful times, this is when that practice really needs to come back in. Now, the other health aspects, as Ariel also said, the eating is really important. The exercise is really important. So maybe you need to kind of look at your little pie chart that's going on in your life. How are things unfolding for you? I feel like for the most part, I've got a handle on the eating eating portion. I'm just really getting back into exercise. So that second aspect, but there's always room for improvement. And for me, meditation is going to be that thing. Now, will you join me? Do you want to jump on this bandwagon? The benefits are endless. So let me know on social media, on Sprout Right handles or Leanne Philipson handle, uh, all the social media sites that you'll find. You can send me a note through either of my websites, SproutRight.com or LeannePhillipson.com. And let's, you know, let's maybe talk about setting up some sort of accountability because, yeah, we can give ourselves that high five and anchor in that success of doing this. But like Ariel said, that community aspect of doing this together could be fantastic. And of course, there's the Muse community as well. Now, just speaking of that really quickly, choosemuse.com forward slash eat this all lowercase will give you 20% off your own Muse device and one free year of that premium app access. A lot of great guided meditations in there. So thank you very much, Ariel and Muse for that, uh, for that gift. Now, for supplements to help your brain and for foods to help your brain, you can head over to SproutRight.com and check out the biohacking bundle of Take This by Leanne supplement line, but also the mood bundle if you don't want all of the supplements that I've put into the biohacking bundle. That mood boost bundle is tremendous. Now I've put those packages together for you so that you don't have to do the research and remember all of those supplements and they are a fantastic place to start. The thing that really resonated for me about this episode that I'm taking away is that you can really change your perspective on the world, on your life and all of the things that are in it. And I love that. I'm so grateful for Ariel bringing that to this episode. And I hope that you found it really useful as well. And as she said, to just start with one day, start with one minute, start with one breath. I'm going to remind you to please eat this one mouthful at a time. 